Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I believe what you say when you say you're going steady with nobody else but me. I believe what you say when you say you don't care. Nobody else but me. I believe. Do believe. I believe. Yeah, believe pretty big. Believe you're going steady with nobody else but me. Well, there's one thing, baby, that I want you to know. When you're rocking with me, you don't rock too slow. I move on and get toe-to-toe. We're gonna rock till we can't rock no more. I believe, do believe, I believe. Yeah, believe pretty, baby. Believe you're gonna steady with nobody else but me. Well, let's take it now. Well, I believe what you say when you say you don't miss nobody else but me. I believe what you say when you say you don't kiss nobody else but me. I believe, do believe, I believe, yeah, believe pretty baby. Believe you're going steady with nobody else but me. Well, when you kiss me, baby, then you roll your eyes. I get a funny feeling that I'm hypnotized. Chills run all up and down my spine. Everybody that you're mine, all mine I believe, do believe Yeah, believe Oh, believe, pretty big Believe you can't steady with nobody else but me Well, that was great. That was a great way to start our show. Welcome to a Friday. Welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe on the Red Velvet Media Network. And um, my, we have a special guest today, um, Rob the Record Guy, which is really cool because um, we're going to ask him how he got that name, but I already know, but I want our listeners to know. And then I have my co-host Spencer Drade on the air with me today. Um, I wanted to start the show off really, really quickly with a couple really important announcements that I felt like would be cool to start the show off with. Um, There are some amazing albums and records out today that you should listen to. And I'm going to bring up one that um, one of our dear friends has worked on, um, which is the new Bruce Springsteen album. And I was talking to a really dear friend this morning, and we were talking about how the iconic the photos are with the Danny Clinch album with um, Bruce Springsteen's newest album that uh, is getting a lot of talk. And uh, it's High Hope Springsteen describes Western stars as character-driven songs and sweeping cinematographic orchestral arrangements. So it's going to be amazing. 
I've heard some of it. It's great. And then, of course, obviously, uh, Madonna's Madam X is out. And then also I wanted to say real quickly, because um, we weren't able to cover it last week, was today Carol King live um, in ni- from 1973 with uh, Carol Kay, who um, kindly sent us a early release, was released today. And I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that that was out. And um, it's a pretty cool recording of her from 1973, and that's on Eagle Rock Entertainment. So Carol King, Live at the Motel, it's 1973, um, out today on CD, DVD, and vinyl. So with that, I am going to bring on Rob, the record guy, and my co-host, and we are going to get into it about vinyl, which is um, these two gentlemen's, along with myself, very huge passion. Welcome, welcome. Um, Good afternoon. (laughs) Hey, Rob. How was that, Rob? Did you like that (laughs) opening? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, the new uh, Bruce album is out, and it's getting rave reviews, and... uh, course Madam X and quite a few other albums but those two were you know ones that I wanted to mention and then also obviously the Carol King release that Carol K had from Chaos Productions we want to thank Carol so much for all her support over the years so with that Rob and Spencer mm-hmm. I want to introduce <laughs> Rob the record guy Rob Gillis yeah well I do, so, yeah, just I do have Rob name, the record yeah. guy <laughs> in Chicago yeah. for so, hey, why don't we do this first? Why don't you tell our listeners, first of all, that's a cool song that you chose to open up with. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about why you chose that Ricky Nelson song? Well, one of the things, I, you know, I basically make my living now somewhat over just, you know, buying and selling both used vinyl, and I've done that for many, many mm-hmm. years, but I also work on reissues and such. But one of the things awesome. about the Ricky Nelson song was when I was about maybe eight or ten years old, I went to a, a, a sale, like a rummage sale, and had no mm-hmm. idea who Ricky Nelson was. All I saw <laughs> was this gold, shiny album called Best Sellers. And oh. for a oh, quarter, wow. I said, I'm going to buy this record. And had no idea. That's mine. Records yeah. around the house. And I also bought a copy of... Um, Toscanini's version of the 1812 Overture on 78 RPM. Oh, nice. So I go home, and at that point, you've got to remember, New York Radio really didn't have oldies. You know, Mm -hmm. Top 40 was Mm -hmm. Top 40, and you weren't hearing Mm -hmm. music that was four years old. So I put it on, and I am just enraptured and saying, I have no idea about this. Who's this Ricky Nelson? And just love the record. And that's one of the things I love about records still is that you can buy something you know very little about, and then you start exploring Mm -hmm. and you find out more Mm -hmm. and more about these people. So, and you know, after a while, you go like Ricky James Burton, lead guitarist on Imperial, all these things I learned, but the start was just picking up something because it looked, it looked interesting. Something that, you know, Mm -hmm. you have a specialty in. So, uh, and, uh, and, 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 Some people say, how did you not know who Ricky Nelson was? 
Well, when you lived in a house with one television and your father did not think much of Ozzie Nelson as a band leader, so he didn't watch his television show, you didn't know. <laughs> funny. I never saw Ozzie and Harriet until I was like in my 20s. Wow. So, Are you serious? Yeah. I am serious. It's Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not like I, I grew up in a, in a closet. Or as they say, sometimes in a skippy jar. But it was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just it. It took a while to do it, and if nobody was running it on television, uh, you know, he didn't just didn't seem to watch it. And I put this way, I didn't even know for a while. This is before oh. internet and and the books and all that. You know that Ricky had these little segments on with him and James Burton just rocking out. So oh oh wow but but yeah. I think that record was opened up some magic for me just in terms of saying here was something else I didn't know about and could find out about it better than my oldest brother bringing home Kingston trio records and then Smothers brothers mm-hmm. and saying, Oh, this is cool. I like right. these, but <laughs> on your own, exp- on your own yeah. just exploring. You know, so, there's a lot about that. I mean, that you've done, you also have tons and tons of, I mean, of information. I mean, I know I was reading a little bit about you. Plus, I wanted to say that you've been a guest on a few of our other shows where we've talked about vinyl and um, great inspiration to so many people, I'm sure, with what you've done so far and all the things and all the great knowledge that you have along with Spencer. Um, I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to say that we, we really appreciate your information and your input on everything. It's uh, very, very important. Yeah, very, very important. You know, yeah, it goes Rob, hand in hand with on, Spencer. You know, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm no, sorry. that's okay, I, Spencer. I, I was going to. Okay. Uh, I was talking to Rob the other day, and we were talking about vinyl. Mm-hmm. And um, what's going on, uh, Rob knows, is that there's these. The records are being uh, remastered or whatever, and they're in this uh, uh, a thicker record, right, Rob? It's a thicker mm-hmm. record RAM thing. Could you explain it? Thicker vinyl. That? Yeah. Well, the the thicker vinyl is probably just mm-hmm. about as thick as that Ricky Nelson record that I bought back then. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a return to the proper weight of 180 to the grams. Right. And there's some mm-hmm. decent 140 gram records, but at one point they got into what we RCA had uh, not affectionately termed Dino Warp, just so thin. Mm-hmm. And the deeper grooves allow you to have a more stable playing surface, less vibration going through. You can get more bass out of them. And people are, on the whole, making just better and better records all the time. Um, and, you know, besides, I, I'll mention a few times because I, I work for Mobile Fidelity Sound Lab, which were pioneers mm-hmm. in re- doing the remasters on there and right now we've done a thing of even getting a different stamping process and not to get too geeky but a you know a brand new vinyl formula Mm -hmm. so people are exploring it not just us but other people are doing it to make the vinyl record experience as good as possible and Mm -hmm. i'm not i remember but yeah yeah i remember talking about that with you when we were talking about um I remember talking about that on a show when we were talking about all the different things, all the different presses that they recently found. The ones from Germany mm-hmm. and stuff seem to be the best ones. But, you know, I I want to bring up something really quickly. If I could get maybe both of your 
um, information on this, if either of you know a little bit about this. Um, I got a flash news um, uh, report the other day about that there was, um, they're saying that now they're saying that it was one of the biggest catastrophes in the music industry because oh, the, the universal it, fire. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah, the right. 2008 yep. fire at Universal That's Studios in Hollywood. They right. said that people were saying it wasn't true. And what they found out was there were Louis Armstrong, Judy Garland, Buddy Holly, Merle Haggard, Aretha Franklin, oh. Etta James, Patsy Klein, yeah. no, John I mean, Coltrane. The reissue Just, arm of Universal yeah. after the fire yeah. were reaching out to collectors to mm-hmm. find pristine mm-hmm. copies of some of these things. Because they weren't to necessarily saying, yeah. right? They just said we don't have. Oh, we yeah. you know we don't longer have a, a great copy of this Chuck Berry B side. Mm-hmm. And what's the mm-hmm. crime is that the other companies had already been doing, you know, better backups. And it's not like we've lost right. all this stuff permanently. Right. It's just that the original master tape, it mm-hmm. should be the best source. It isn't always. Because mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. the original master, you've gone back to it too many times. And every mm-hmm. time you play a tape, you lose a little something. Right. So there are mm-hmm. certain masters we've dealt with that just saying, no, we don't, you know, we can't use it. We can't use it. We, you know, I mean, Mobile Fidelity now has a second line, just as Mobile Fidelity Sound Lab instead of really? master recording. Right. Well, because sometimes we just said, we want to do the work. But it's not the original master we're going to use because mm-hmm. why put out something that just because it's the original master sounds worse than the safety. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, you know, you, so a lot of things have been lost. That's important. Not, in, yeah. not necessarily as lost right. as the articles are saying they are. The big yeah, is the ones that are, are uh, well, the ones that are unexplored, if somebody, uh-huh. let's say, wants to go through, and say, well, you know what? They've done Chuck Berry like pretty darn well, but there may mm-hmm. be something else where they go. Uh, it'd be a different company. I'll just say, for example, you know, Sinatra had a, a second Bossa Nova type album that was only made it to eight track, and mm-hmm. th- those sessions, since he didn't like them, might never been a, have been explored. Mm-hmm. So if it was mm-hmm. never transferred to anything else. That's where the master tape would have. Right. The, the gems that we now say are gems, and we'll say we didn't care what Frank thought of them. We want to hear them, and right. that's the stuff that that's the stuff that is lost, where it's just in you know, the re-recording. Right. Yeah, it is, you know, yeah. No one. Yeah. No one. No one did it. But uh, you know, and we, it's a treasure lost. And then again, it could have been in England where they just copied over tapes and threw them out mm-hmm. uh, where <laughs> you didn't hear outtakes for an awful lot of stuff. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're also you know, involved with turntables, right, Rob? Yeah. Well, the, the company that owns mobile fidelity um, also is a company mm-hmm. called music direct. And then actually right. that's the company that bought it. Music direct appeals largely to the very high-end, uh, you know, vinyl table enthusiasts. We also do DAX and such, but mm-hmm. we, I, I am in a room right now with, like, a $30,000 <laughs> turntable. <laughs> and I'm from the same manufacturer... Yeah, some, one of the same... The same manufacturer actually makes one with three tone arms, so you mm-hmm. can have 
Well, it's so you can have a special uh, – each cartridge has a different sound to it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you could have your cartridge that emphasizes a certain uh, timbres and say this is a very warm, subtle cartridge. This is another one that emphasizes more on the bass. And then if I want to play 78s, I need a totally different cartridge. Or mono records sound better Absolutely. with a mono cartridge. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. with a mono yeah. cartridge, mm-hmm. and that, that's – for many of them, that's what you do. So they give you the option of instead of having three turntables, you just have one, three different tone arms. I, I know three different I, tone I mean, arms. I, I, yeah. You know what's really great is the design of these turntables. As I research turntable, I you know I have a turntable at home and uh, I went to research, and uh, there's some great design turntables. I mean they're beautifully designed, mm-hmm. Rob, right? Oh yeah, you know the aesthetics are. are it's large, quality, though. I think it. that really totally matters. Something could look so beautiful, but it's shit. Do you know? Oh what no, 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 no. Holly, Holly, I'm talking about turntables that are not only beautiful but great quality. No. I'm yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I wanted to ask Rob. Um, not to get deviate away from turntables, but for our listeners that are listening, some of people won't understand what ma- what remastered means, and from the original recording sure. to what is remastered. Yeah. So, could you explain? Because you're the expert here on this, Rob, and um, to our listeners, maybe what remastered recordings is and what they may lose, and like. Absolutely, people know the smell and the feeling and the little crackles in uh, vinyl, but uh, tell it, I love that. I love that. All right, I well, both love that. So, it, it, oh, the, yeah. so here's the, the re, well, just the mastering process itself is when you go from usually a tape source, but it could be a digital source on it, and you're basically authoring, you're making a stamper on there because all records are pressed off a stamper. So what the mastering job does is translates the, um, the basically the wave files or the tape, you know, the puts them into the cutting lathe. All right. So you're being, you're cutting a lacquer, but the mastering process, instead of mixing, because mixing, I think everybody gets the idea as you do this, you can work with certain frequencies and clean them up, emphasize things a little bit. There's a lot of tools to make it mm. sound uh, more dynamic or mm. cleaner on there. So uh, sometimes like the mobile fidelity does, they tend to tinker with things quite a bit to try to make it the ultimate so you can hear things you never heard before on the record. Mm-hmm. So it will not necessarily mm-hmm. sound the same other companies say no i want to be as faithful to it as possible and maybe expand the base end a little bit and high end it just a little bit mm-hmm. so there are records that we've worked on where people said oh you know you've cleaned it up too much you know i can i can now hear this and this and i don't want to hear that and we go well that's actually more how oh, it wow. really sounds but but no i want mm-hmm. it to sound like my early 1972 pressing right um so and other people just sit in amazement and say I I'm a record I've heard 50 times I'm now enjoying it again and again and again so much more so there's through various tools that's the remastering is taking that original master uh, tape and saying what can we do to 
bring it out. There's other things, of course, if there's deterioration off that original master, uh, how do you do basically a little bit of restoration? So Mm -hmm. there are people who have followings uh, as there's a guy who does not work for us, but named Kevin Gray, who does great work. And there are people who follow Mm -hmm. these things and go, oh, Kevin Gray worked on it. Uh, I'll take a listen to that. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and, and certain companies, uh, Speakers Corner out of Germany does great jobs. Analog Productions who are direct competition to us do a great job. Uh, So that's, and then there are other people, which I will not pan anybody in particular, where people go, they don't do real good work, Mm -hmm. you know, and they buy a reissue of something. And just because it is, and just because it is remastered does not mean it is better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually, Spencer and I both go back and we say, we always say, because we know vinyls is re- coming back and it's real prevalent and especially even more so. And it's so funny because I hear people say, I don't want it on CD. I want it on vinyl. So mm-hmm. you absolutely... Um, I would love to talk and ask you how you see, because I know then Spencer's doing a vinyl show, and we could talk a little bit about that too. I'd love to know, like, what you feel about vinyl coming back and how this is going to play out for the music industry, I think. Well, it's 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 been very good for independent mm-hmm. stores, which is one of the things, record mm-hmm. stores, vinylists, help them. Their profit margin is low on it, but it gets people into their stores and that's that's wonderful. In there it's shown an interest in, you know, old music again. It's been on an upswing. There may come a point though, uh, that you reach a you know, do you reach a saturation level where we've reissued everything that's really good and interesting and then do we do it again or do you put it in another mm-hmm. package? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, like the, they're doing, the, you know, they're doing the King's catalog. They're doing the Ramones catalog. And, but after you do it once, do you wait another five years or 10 years? At what point do, you know, what, at what point is there a saturation with, right. with uh, mm-hmm. that? Um, and as long as you have new artists putting out new records, you know, that will help on it but we can't necessarily live in the reissue world our whole lives or at least well, what I, found, I don't want to. Uh, I, Rob and I were judging the Grammys and um, the album packaging area and uh, I'm sure Rob saw this and I have seen this what's really interesting is the intricate packaging right going on mm-hmm. which I thought when it went into vinyl that we were going to get into the I remember when inner sleeves were, you know, were left out, right? And then you went to mm-hmm. album covers, and then all of a sudden that went, CDs came in. And then I was thinking, well, vinyl's going to come back, but people aren't going to do a high-end. But what I saw in, the, in a lot of the entries in the Making Vinyl event and and also the Grammys, as Rob saw, was was a lot of intricate, right, Rob, intricate packaging. Oh, sure. Well, and one of the things, if you're going to buy a physical product, um the more things that you do to make it feel really, really special, yeah. it's gratifying. You get it home, you have a, mm-hmm. you have not a work of art or you have something fun to deal with. Uh, the tangible experience is w- wonderful on, on that. So, you know, kudos to the designers who, you know, can work with it and have the budgets to do it. And 
that's that's just wonderful. It's it's kind of a strange thing just talking about it though with mobile fidelity. When we revived the label back in 2002, I was in charge of getting out the new product, and I was saying, hmm, you know, if we're going to put out records, we're going to have to do more than this. We need liner notes and pictures mm-hmm. and all this sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, because we were the we were the new guys who, you know, we essentially bought the equipment, did a lot of upgrades, but you know, do we trust them? So let's give them people a good value for the money. And as it turned out, after two years or so we realize that, you know what, the people are buying it because how it sounds and the quality of the vinyl. Mm-hmm. They're, they're satisfied. Mm-hmm. The other stuff was just bonus on there. So they're paying at that point $25 for a record when records were $10. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. in that case, it's not the packaging, it's the sound. But right now we have a new thing where two record sets, uh, I, I'll say price, you know, they were on $125 for our new Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but... You know, a special thing. We spent we spent some extra money on the packaging, right. comes in the deluxe box, and all that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. you're not just getting two really nice pieces of vinyl. You're getting something that uh, you know costs more to produce, but you feel like you have a value in when it's in your mm-hmm. physical hands. Exactly. And now this brings me into busting Spencer here because Spencer's being very quiet today. Spencer <laughs> is um, an award-winning <laughs> designer, and um, I just wanted to say Spencer has designed some iconic album covers, and um, his stuff is in the Museum of Art, MoMA. Um, it's in a permanent collection in the Rock and Roll. Um, is it the Rock and Roll Gallery yeah, Rock Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, yeah cool. and. Uh, and uh, he's worked with some very huge people that just started out. So, you know, he's kind of, he's he knows what it is to design. So I could see how you and Rob, Rob, I could see how you and Spencer uh, must have wonderful conversations about design and this and that. Um, it's great. Well, you, know, you know, it's uh, interesting. When I met Rob Holly, he brought up a very good point. When I met Rob yeah. at the Grammy judge. Uh, I noticed his mindset. It was like really there. Uh-huh. You know, he was like he. I, I could. I just pick up intuitive things. He just knew about a lot about recording and, and about design. design. I hear him say, and, and really design, important. Yeah. The judge, uh-huh. Right. And so um, that's part of it, which which leads. And, and thanks a lot, Holly, for uh, talking about my. No, my of course. I, I was, uh, but. Uh, what I'm doing uh, on 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 the shoot, which goes along with this, uh, Judith and I are curating, and we conceived an art of we yes, call it the art of vinyl cover mm-hmm. show, which will be on YouTube and mm-hmm. Facebook, and eventually in a museum or gallery plan. But yeah. Like, uh, yeah, or it's going to be like I'll be there. Really good graphics. The really good graphic covers. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Of 12 inch and 45 only. Uh, in like a museum mode on on YouTube, which has never been done before, and I thought of it because of it's a permanent thing, Holly and Rob. You know, it's a YouTube is permanent. So I said, you know, a gallery show I could have in New York for a month, right? But it goes, right? Yeah. But on YouTube, it stays forever. Yeah, you could do YouTube, and also another really good one is the streaming, the direct streaming. Don't you think, Rob? Right. Yeah. 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 
That one, that was really good. But also, what I want to say is Spencer um, has authored what over twenty five books, and one of them is called Five Hundred. Forty five. Twenty 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 five. Yeah, one of them is called Five Hundred Forty Five, and and it has album cover sleeves in it, and uh, you really need to get that book. And I know you just recently told me it's been reissued, so there's a second printing going on. It's all, I just uh, wanted to bring that in. Oh, no, thanks a lot, Hal. That's yeah. very nice. It, it, it's a great book because um, I had done originally a book called 45 RPM mm-hmm. in 2002 before the real vinyl search was coming in, as Rob would know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that book went right out of the box with no promotion. And you know what's really funny? Mm-hmm. It's like the Beatles story. All the publishers turned it down. I couldn't believe this. Everybody was doing... Yeah, see, and now everyone's kicking themselves in the ass for it, right? And the second book came out, and after the first book, yeah, people put uh, put out 45 books internationally, different kinds of those uh, areas. But, but, uh, yeah, it's a good book because it's really 45 history in covers covering different uh, eras. And um, anyway... So I think and we're it, all it takes up less all space three of us are like vinyl. <laughs> and then there's the making vinyl. Of yeah. Larry Jaffe. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, that Holly had, Holly and I had on our show, um, Larry mm-hmm. and Brian, the founders, and they do uh, making vinyl event, which encompasses, encompasses everything in vinyl, and they come from all over the world to this thing in Detroit recently in Berlin in May and uh, going back to L.A. and uh, Judith and I judged for that with other judges, really hot judges. Hope to have Rob judge next year. Well, <laughs> I want Rob to judge next year. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, so we and have I, the I, final packaging coming. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's, uh, no, and I wanted to ask Rob something because this is kind of like how I'm seeing it, but Rob, maybe you can um, help me see a bigger picture on this. I have noticed with vinyl that I've, you know, collected over the years, being around Spencer, I've got some really cool vinyl. And then uh, I always get stuff from Osaka Popstar and uh, other people that come out with um, vinyl, which really is cool. Most of the guests that we've had on, I mean, even people like Willie Nile and Steve Conte and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even um, just, you know, people that, don't normally release vinyl. They always do a drop, but they also release a limited number of vinyl pieces. But my question to you was, I've noticed the best vinyl that I personally have experienced has mostly come from Germany. So why is that? Well, Germany has a long history of excellent pressings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's basically, you know, in in the '60s and '70s and '80s when they were still doing it, their standards were always very, very high. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. And in America, we had cut corners. We had recycled vinyl. Um, we're basically. Oh really? You know, record, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Records were. Uh, just you know, ground up to make that. more records. No, no, that's it was coming up. Uh, varying quality of pressing plants. Uh, there's a record label from the 50s called Crown, which had their own pressing plant, and their records were cheap, but they were generally horrible. Um, it's, you in, know, in, we, in we even call, seven, called the, the Crown Hiss. Yeah. Oh, the in the late 70s, Rob and Holly, uh, when I worked at a record label, it was the big thing was to get the British pressings. Like I got the white out, the mm-hmm. British. 
the Beatles' White Album original uh, on a British pressing. So it was like the in those days also that was a big thing. Get the British pressing, right? Get the British pressing. Right. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. 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 Now I remember her. 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 Were. Were just. They went uh-huh. far down. It's also there's uh, the way the pressing works. The stamper. You can only make so mm-hmm. many records out of it, and when you have a hit record, mm-hmm. instead of making you know five hundred or a thousand or two thousand, they may push it to four thousand, five thousand, or eight thousand. Oh wow! Uh, they oh. Okay. Just keep using that stamper till they say, "Oh, <laughs> these things are, <laughs> these, these things look like they don't have grooves anymore," and that was one of the and so that was a you know that was a uh, one of the big things of yeah, why people also sometimes said, "Let me get an early pressing," because mm-hmm. they would. You'd look at the matrix numbers, which are the little etchings inside, right next to the label, and say, "I want an early one. Okay. It's closer to it. The master tape. It's before right. they made how many? Stampers, oh wow, yes, you get a cleaner, more accurate sound. Right, exactly. I didn't think sure. of that. Wow, that's yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, that's. It's it's so that's that's fascinating. It, it, uh, yeah, and it's there are different pressing plants in the United States. Mm-hmm. So some people mm-hmm. like the pressings from the Monarch pressing plant in California. There's mm-hmm. ones in Indian Indianapolis, and there's Jacksonville, Florida. So different pressing plants. They said, oh well, the, that Monarch plant generally did a better job, and they probably got right. the first stamper instead of the second or third. So yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. really into sound Rob, collecting. They do that. Yeah. Yeah, Rob, I was going to say that too. That's very interesting you said that because some of the pressings aren't as good as other ones. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that's interesting. I didn't know that there's numbers inside that are close to the master number. I'd yeah, be really cool. interested on you some know. of the album, some of the records I found. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. seriously, out here in yes. California, Rob, it's really funny. I told Spencer this. I said, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe this. I found this album. It was $0.10. Cents. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like vinyl yeah. out here. You can find used vinyl, and mm-hmm. some of it's unopened, and, a lot, and you know, mm-hmm. a lot of it is. And now it's becoming, like, kind of trendy. So the records that you could find are now becoming a little more expensive, but I will tell you where I have found, and it's funny, and I, and this is going to sound really funny, but the Salvation Army stores, they have mm-hmm. so much vinyl, it's not I funny. Yep. So much yeah. vinyl. There's, there's, a, Incredible there's a very amount. large community of people here. Um, some some mm-hmm. of the times it's community, sometimes it's competition, but there are people who hit all the Goodwills and Salvation Armies I'm yeah. Going to do it every day looking for those uh-huh. gems. And every once in a while, I, you know, I go on vacation or I find something here and go in, oh, yard sale. Yep, there's a $3,000 record. Okay. Exactly. You find I found, it, you I've not found and, those. You know, yeah. I once found a George Harrison acetate in a Salvation Army. You did? Wow. You know, how, oh, how did my that God. Happen? I don't know. And, and no. by the way, I was out in Williamsburg the other day, uh, you know, in Brooklyn, which I, I bought some great 45 sleeves. The, the record, they have a lot of record stores there with a lot of vinyl, mm-hmm. 45, 12-inch in, in Brooklyn. You know, that's a very hip place. So you get a lot of um, 
I, and I bought some 45 sleeves in a couple of stores there. But I went out there again, and I just realized, wow, they really got a lot of these areas in that area with vinyl. You know what I mean? Stores mm -hmm. that are that are really there. And in New York, on a weekend, Holly or uh, Rob, there's a uh, we have a marketplace, and there's always vinyl. Like a flea sellers. market. Yeah, right. flea market with really? vinyl sellers. Yeah. Oh, but how much are they every... selling them for? Well, that's a good what question. See time? that you brought up a very good point. Now that's some of them are more, and some of them are reasonable. But you know, you're right, Holly. See? Some of those things they you go to the Goodwill. Every one of them are a dollar, no matter what they are. How much yeah, right. did you pay that's for that George right. Harrison, yeah. Rob? That's a good, 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 Rob. Good. Goodwill. Good. <laughs> George Harrison was just a dollar. So. <laughs> oh my God! Can you believe it? Can you believe yeah, it? Well, well, I. That do, was but crazy. But yeah, there's also people who, you know, they're speculating, and there are also people like I uh, once went to a flea market where the uh, first Family album, the comedy record about mm -hmm. JFK, um, oh, before yeah. he was assassinated, wow. number one album, fastest seller of all time, um, mm. millions. It's in every thrift store. And I went to a uh, flea market and a guy had one there for a hundred dollars. And I went, wow. Uh, oh my God. I said, I said um, <laughs> if you actually are selling that, <laughs> I can supply you a hundred of these at $10 each. And he was wow. kind of like, well, um, no, I haven't gotten that. But, um, you wow. know, it doesn't mean that somebody wouldn't walk into the flea market and go, oh, I've never seen this. Or because they're oh, not I remember aware. that. It must be yeah. rare. <laughs> right. Right, and mm -hmm. there's the the buying you used is a tremendous business, uh, mm -hmm. but as are reissues. Someone was questioning about two years ago. Herb Albert reissued all his albums, mm -hmm. and somebody oh, yeah. said, well, uh -huh. "Why would you? Why why would you do that? They're in every thrift store." <laughs> well, then again, if if I'm living on the Upper East Side and making that very might good be a money, first edition. Uh, he, mm -hmm. Well, no, no, just you say. You know, I can get a brand new copy of it for twenty dollars. Why would I go hunt in a Salvation Army? Right. And and how many Salvation Armies are there in Manhattan? Are there any? <laughs> you know, yeah, no. In, in, I in, in Brooklyn, in Queens, yeah. Yeah, out here in California, though, I mean, it's like there are a lot of thrift shops, and um, a lot of them are. There are a lot of people. Oh, this is kind of sad, but, you know, I will say, you know, because of the fires that were out here, a lot of the things that people did salvage that they just wanted to get rid of and everything, yeah. um, I found so much vinyl, brand new vinyl, untouched, yeah, unopened, like wow. at the thrift shop. I got an unopened box set of um, the rock opera Jesus Christ Superstar that was incredible. Mm. It was the first pressing of it. Um, for a dollar, for a dollar, right. I was right. like, wow. I was like, wow, this is like something, you know. And then, of course, um, it's just like crazy. But you know, I I had another question for you, Rob, real quick. Okay. You know how some people, when they do issue, um, when, when they do, I noticed with Osaka pop star especially, they do colored vinyl. What mm -hmm. and, and like their Christmas edition, it was red, green, and white vinyl. Right. How how do they do that? How do they how do they make the colors in the vinyl? Oh, it's it's just adding vinyl. You you add you add dye to make a record mm -hmm. black to begin with. It's just generally that okay. black is is the norm because it's been the most successful durable vinyl. Okay, right. you have fewer mm -hmm. defects on black vinyl. 
Now, that doesn't mean there aren't great records, you know, on colored vinyl, but the amount of defects and wear on colored vinyl is, you know, is higher. But really? people like people like yeah, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, but on the whole, uh, there are people who just go like Sundays, great reissue label, often puts out something in black vinyl first, and then they'll do red vinyl to add an extra thousand sales on it. And some right. people will buy both mm-hmm. if they're completists. But a lot of people go, mm-hmm. eh, my black one sounds better. Rob, Rob, at the, at the Grammy, wow. we, noticed, we, noticed, we noticed a lot, Holly, when Rob and I were judging, there's a, there was a lot of different artwork on vinyl, too. and marble mm-hmm. On the vinyl itself? Yeah, uh, on the vinyl, yes. yeah, different effects that you blow How your mind. How do they do that? Absolutely, yeah, right. How do they do that, right? <laughs> well, there have been that records then? in the past where there is, where there is, uh, etching like split ends put out uh, for their uh, uh-huh. I'm trying to remember what the uh, actual name of the album was uh, but you know where there was uh, basically almost a hologramish sort of thing that was in there mm-hmm. in, that you can wow. do that uh, Jack White did some special stuff recently so people like to have mm-hmm. you know fun with those uh, Sticks yeah. had an et- etch thing in there as well so you can you can do stuff it's the question is is it best for the sound, or is it just really cool to have? Well, you know, you're you know, bringing up a good point, because when uh, Judith and I designed, uh, I was just mentioning one album we designed, and she she liked the idea of a color record. She didn't care about, you know, she wanted a color. And so we did that, and I went to a company down in Nashville, and they had a really good price, by the way. I thought black, I saw, I thought to myself, well, you know, black records are, you know, that's the usual and if I go to mm-hmm. color, it's going to cost more. But their prices for color were very reasonable. It's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, we, we did it that way. We did it that way. But I, I mean, as a designer, to tell you the truth, I love to use color to uh, supplement whatever packaging is going on around it. You know what I mean? Uh, right, unless, right. unless, of course, black is something to use. In other words, it's part of the package. You know what I mean? If black works. I mean, I, I don't refute black. Then I have... I have a question. How much does it cost, Rob? Because you work at the part where or you know how it is. How much does it really cost to, to make? Of course, obviously, you've got the music. You've got everything. How much is it really to press one record, like the vinyl itself? What is a, What does a record really cost to make? It costs these days about $4 or so. Mm-hmm. Wow! I mean that's I mean that's that's I mean that's a realistic part of it on a, a low uh-huh. run, and there are very few high runs right. on records. Uh-huh. You know, um, Jack White's album sold what thirty eight thousand, so you know that that was the the best seller on vinyl for the year. So it's and compared mm-hmm. to millions of CDs sold by uh, by some people, so it's a smaller market, but. If you're going to get a thousand records made, you have to get the jacket. Uh, there's the stamper and all of that. So the physical piece of vinyl might cost you two seventy-five, uh, two fifty, two and a quarter. But then the jacket's going to run you about a buck on there. And 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 what point do you count the um, you know the cost of well, like the mastering job? the mastering right. job cost you right and then the music itself or yeah or does it cost you uh two thousand dollars to do the master that's uh, now don't you know. forget you have groups that like to work in 45 too you know yeah, the, the, right 
reduce 45. That's another. That's yeah, another, those 45s we get from Germany, Spencer. Yeah. Remember yeah, the 45s yeah. we get with the magazine from Germany. That's right. That's right from electric electronic sound. You're right. And and that, they always that, sound yeah. They sound great, right? They sound yeah, great. Yeah, the 45s. Yeah. You know, and any any most recent trend in the audiophile world, which is not totally recent, but it's still it's on the upswing, is putting everything out on 45 RPM 12 inch records. Mm. where you split up the album where originally it was just two sides of a record. It's now on four sides. Yeah, that's what I like. And everyone I've listened to sounds better than the 33 and a third counterpart. Wow. Really? But you have have a compromise because instead of having that 18 to 24-minute side that you Mm -hmm. enjoy, you're getting up after eight minutes, maybe 10, you know, maybe seven or so. So it's a different experience. And then the sequencing is a difficult thing because it's a uh, Pet Sounds. There was a really nice version of Beach Boys Pet Sounds uh, sonically. Mm -hmm. But I'm so used to hearing that both as a suite on each side because the first song on each side was basically a single tacked on, but they want to keep in the same sequence. So it just... It feels wrong when I'm listening to it. Mm. So I kind of view it as just playing, okay, I'm going to play two songs. I don't have the album experience at that point uh, mm-hmm. that I'm used to and love. Mm. So, But sonically, you play the one track and you say, wow, this is gorgeous. I've never heard this so wonderful. Wow. Oh, wow, that's amazing. I can't believe how, how what the cost is. I want to make an announcement really quickly for anyone tuning in late. We're talking to Rob Gillis, who is Rob the Record Guy, and my co-host Spencer Drayton, myself, Holly Steffi, and uh, this show will be available on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio if you missed the beginning as a download as a podcast afterwards. I um, just wanted to say that really quickly and uh, oh I wanted to make another announcement really quickly Um, I'll be doing a special show next Wednesday with Bob Gruen who will be coming back from Canada we'll be doing a photo show I'm sorry as I as I remember things I like to just put them in there just because if I get I'm really interested in this so I'll probably forget at the end of (laughs) the end of the show but um you know, I want to ask both you and Spencer. Let me ask you first, Rob. Um, what in with with vinyl? And please don't tell me what I think you're going to tell me. But what is the most? What are collectors really looking for? What is the number one albums or album that people are really looking for when they want to add to their collection? Well, Just well, because there's two different types of records. I mean, they're the ones that people look for because they're incredibly rare and worth an awful lot of money uh-huh. and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and then they're just one, you know, where the, the different cover and popular is like almost every uh-huh. Beatles fan wants one of the butcher covers, which is the recalled cover in right. America. And they're not tremendously rare, but they can run from, you know, $250 to, you know, 13000 depending on the quality and everything else involved. So there are Mm -hmm. other people who are just saying, you know what, if I'm going to have a core listening collection, you know, I want a jazz record. Oh, well, you should have 
you know, kind of blue or Brubeck's timeout. You know, that's so what are people looking for? It's different people looking for different things. But, it's mm-hmm. you know, I had I had my holy grail record, which I finally got a, a while ago. Uh, actually, oh, through that? Discogs. Um, it was uh-huh. a song called Son of a Gun by a band called Maple Oak. And really? uh, being a, a big Kinks fan, uh, when Pete Quaife left the Kinks, he only made one recording after oh, that. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, he, he, he went into being a, a designer, he made his living the rest of his life as, as a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he recorded this one single for this band, with this band called Maple Oak. They did put out an album, and that single is not on the album. Oh, wow. Okay, so I found it once. So they in only England. released it as a single. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I found it once in England Eat. for 400 pounds in really beat up condition. Mm. Uh, oh, wow. So it's kind of like, I was like, well, you know, I'd kind of like to have it, and I hadn't heard it yet, all that. Uh, and then once somebody found it for me on another place um, for it, and I bought it uh, through the mail, and it arrived too warped to play. And it, I got a refund. That was no fine, way. It was, and then, and then the third time was just recently. It popped up on Discogs at a very, very low price. Right. And I don't like shopping through mail. I like going to real stores, doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to shop for records, I like looking through them. You know, and having and having the record find me. But that was when I went. I've been looking for this for 25 years. Wow! So, <laughs> so I, I got to tell you, my, wow! So that I got to tell yeah, you my story with collectors. Oh, I was going to tell you my story with collectors. Uh, being involved with the 45 books, I got thrown into collectors, and what I noticed is they're all like Rob was saying. They're all different. So you get collectors that are very uh, niche. Uh, some are more grungy. Some are the regular commercial, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. And you get all kinds of mindsets, I found. Uh, Lenny Kay from Patty Smith Group wrote the forward mm-hmm. in my book. He was into groups like the Tremolos, you know what I mean? <laughs> he got right. into, like, really great groups, though. I mean, that's the thing about him. He got into these groups that nobody would, like, talk about that much, but great songs. So, I mean, each each collector had a certain thing. Now, I just, we're talking about collecting, uh, I just bought... Uh, Blitzkrieg Bop with John Holmstrom, designed for the oh, Ramones, yeah, yeah, yeah. over mm-hmm. overseas seventy uh, forty five, and, and I spoke to Seymour Stein, the owner of Sire, who I work for, and Seymour says, you know, this is a rare forty five Spence, and so I said, okay, I got to get it. I got to. Where get did it when, come from? Well, actually, it was overseas printed, and you know, it's amazing. John never got a sample. I couldn't believe this. This sleeve is worth about five hundred dollars. You know what I mean? And so I oh, went wow. on. I went on eBay. I lucked out. Someone was selling it. Uh, I missed a bid on it a long time ago for, you won't believe this, $32. Someone outbid me for 32 Oh, wow. And so, I, so I got on it again recently, and someone was selling it. And I got it for, I think I spent like $90, but it was worth it. And I bought it because nobody has it. And this is another thing. You can't find this sleeve in a flea market or any place. I mean, this is a sleeve that mm-hmm. is so rare that, um, you know, that's a, that's the talk about it with collectors. You can't get I got it. I got one, and I'm happy to get it. It was worth it. So that was my crown. You know, Rob, that was my crown. 
Um, and, and Holmstrom which, which, never which, got which, a copy. Which, 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 which edition was it? It's a, it's a single uh, Blitzkrieg bop, the Ramones, and it's John Holmstrom artwork, you see, with yeah. photographs. But who, where did it come from? Where did they press it? I got it? it from, I don't have it in front of me, but I got it from Europe. It's a pressing in Europe. Okay, is it, is it the one that looks mm-hmm. like a comic, or is it the uh, blue picture one? Wow, it, the comic. Ah, okay, that one. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. right, right. Oh, See, the blue, I don't know about the other one. Wow, that's cool. So you know there's another one, right? Yep, yep, there's there's two others, so. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and... I lucked out on that, but that was my crown. You know, I said, I got to get, I have to have it. I got to put it in the show. I've got it for myself. You know, it was like, and what's really funny is that Holly, I call it John Holmstrom, thinking that may he may have that sleeve I could borrow. Mm-hmm. And, and he said he mm-hmm. never got a copy. I said, I thought to myself, oh, God, why did you do that? Never got even a sample of this thing for himself. I couldn't believe it. And so then mm-hmm. I, I went back and forth with it for a long time, and finally, I said, this is the time, and I fortunately lucked out. And he found it. Yeah, but wow. it's a rare. I mean, anybody even selling it is rare, if Rob knows about it. And you mm-hmm. can't get in a flea market or anything like that. Or uh, Maybe, like we're talking about, maybe in a sale of 45, some collector might be. I haven't seen it, but maybe out there, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it's a yeah. rare one. It's a real rare no, one. I'm, just, right, I'm just reading on it while we're talking, and it's been counterfeited, too. That's true. You're kidding. I, okay. No. Yep. Really? Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's rare that it happens, but there are yep. counterfeits of various things that you have to be careful on. Um, the Rolling Stones, Beast of Burden, Picture Sleeve, that's been counterfeited. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when things are worth thousands or even hundreds, someone will do it. Um, and, uh, you know, let's say going back to the Kinks, uh, their version of Long Tall Sally on Cameo. Well, that's pretty darn rare, and I've seen maybe 15, 20 copies in my life, and I've seen one original. The other really? All counterfeits, yeah. See, for yep. me, I mean, I've worked with 45s all my life in LP designing, so I knew that this sleeve was authenticated. Do you know what I mean? I yep. knew the way it was printed, thank God. But but the you bootleg know. thing is very interesting, too, because I even got a couple of bootleg sleeves that were of the stones that – they're what? Bootleg, you know? But they're yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and and Rob knows that. I mean the, the boot right the bootleg stuff. So you get you mm-hmm. can get like and I have a couple. I have a couple because you know why they were so cool. They, they, they were so they were well made and so cool. I said I, you know I just it was nothing. I, I, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, like I, like like the Claudine uh, picture sleeve stones. Yeah, you know, right. You know because right. that was a song that wasn't released. And mm-hmm. it got put out as a single on on the bootleg market, so it's not a counterfeit; it's actually a bootleg. But right. yeah, those those are those are those are fun. So and, and yeah, there's it's all the Beatles Holly, stuff really that was put out that the way. Whole thing. It's like really interesting. I think yeah. I think before you do your show and everything, I think Rob should come to New York and 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 sit with you with your collection <laughs> and it. tell you what you have because. Rob zeroed in on it. I mean, you know, there were a few copies. One was boot, was counterfeited. 
I think I think it would be really important to find out if what you have is all authentic, which I know oh, you I, I know, know ones, you. Uh, Holly, I know the one I got are authentic. I, I know about how they're printed. Oh, awesome. I know. Yeah. You know, I, 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 tell you I, what, I, I bought was not like a little kid in a store. You know, I really right. know. What, wow! Yeah, he'll know the he'll he'll know the feel, the smell, the type, and you just yeah. know right away. You, you you know you can just pick yeah. it up in your really? hand and you'll know it's yeah, wrong. Yeah, the sleeve, the way it's printed, oh yeah yeah yeah. The way, yeah, you know you know and you'll definitely can and spine. The, but I mean, there's and Rob knows this. There've been some bootlegs that look pretty cool. I mean, they really yeah. you know what I mean. But it's like uh, I, I got a couple of them because I thought the graphics were really cool. You know, so that's the yeah. reason. Not a lot. I mean, just a couple. But um, I mean, yeah, um, there was that there was that whole Beatles series with 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 great fake covers where uh, they had them all in uh, in uh, orthodox garb and and they called the bootleg Rabbi Saul. I remember those. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a good one, you know, on the Beatles versus the You know what I right. have, Rob, you'll yeah. love this. I have a Beatles sleeve, Holly, you'll love this, printed in Japan, because, you know, the Japanese printed Beatles stuff. I've never saw this before. They're all in straw hats and striped suits, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a photograph, and it's a rare. Oh, I I've know, seen I've, that one. Yeah, that's really cool. I've seen that I, that's one. The sleeve. I have that. I love that sleeve. It's like you know, the Beatles with a straw hat. I wanted the, to check. Yeah. I wanted to check with Rob. Rob, I extended the show a little. Do you have any extra time, or do you have to go? No, I'm all, I'm all right. Yeah. Oh, great. great. You're okay. Okay, I extended a little bit because we're talking about oh, some good, really interesting good, things good. here. Yeah. So, um, so you have um, so tell me. About this Beatles thing, Rob, that you were talking about, about the butcher one that was recalled. I remember seeing that album cover. It was black, right? And it no, had a butcher no, no. shop on no, the front. No, they were the butchers, like they were dressed in butcher costumes, right, Rob, with the babies. Right. Uh, yeah, right. that's a with, rare. With, 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 oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that's the butcher cover. Yeah, that's the butcher cover. It's rare, Holly. It's really I, rare. I don't think well, I they saw put that album, one they then. Put, what was the story, Rob? They put the album out, then it was banned, right? So they stopped. Right, the and there was there was a recall three to seven days later, mm-hmm. but it was the Beatles. Right. So the record stores were all supposed to return them, <laughs> right. uh, and I'm some did, but some didn't. <laughs> so lots of people bought it, and then what they did then. Rather than destroy them all, okay, they took and pasted over the new cover with the Beatles sitting with steamer trucks on the old one. Uh, on oh, the old one, okay. I didn't know that. Yes. Wow! Right. So there's a thing called so, first state, second state, third state. So it is uh-huh. possible you have in your record collection that if you look carefully, you can kind of see John's V-neck mm. through the through the paste over. And really? if you get a paste over, yeah. So that's and there are. I don't know if anybody's still doing it, but there used to be somebody who, for like fifty bucks, would successfully remove the cover. Oh my god! So they, wow. so they call first state, wow. third state. First state is. It's, I'm gonna look this it's up. Just how the it butcher, in the, store. the butcher album. Yeah, you got the butcher uh, cover. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yesterday and today. Yeah, yesterday and today. Yeah, right. today. So. And so the first state is where it would just come out, nothing on it. Second state is where it was pasted over, but somebody has removed the cover. And then the third state is where it's still pasted over. And I have oh. one. I have a third state, which you I do at an Ambet store. Yeah. 
Wow. You know, and I just picked it up and went, yep, that's it. <laughs> um, and, you know, but that, but again, they, yep. they must have pressed, you know, a few hundred thousands of these. So they pop, I so just I do found pop one. Up, but, I found one. Yeah. It's called Beatles <laughs> Rare Signed Butcher Cover, $52 on FD. That's not bad. Vinyl. That's here's right, another that's one for thirteen ninety nine on eBay. Probably fall bootlegged, right? Yeah, right. You gotta watch out there, right, Rob? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't see any. Oh, here's one. That cheap. Guess how much? Guess how much they're asking for it? Thousand. Uh, There's two. You're gonna freak out. Thirty thousand, and the other one's a million. Really? <laughs> and the, uh-huh. is the million one signed this, by Paul McCartney? You know. <laughs> this was interesting. The million one do- says the Beatles butcher cover yesterday. This is different because this one has them sitting in on a trunk. Is that the one right. that they put yeah, over the it. top of it? That's it. Yep. Yeah. I wonder why that's they're it. asking for a million for that one. Because well, it better be a million. And the other one's. <laughs> and the other ones are all thir- are are like, but the one on SD for fifty two fifty. I'm looking at I'm looking to see if it's uh, authentic authentic or not. Oh, let's see here. Only two available. So there's so they have two of them. It yeah, says Beatles rare butcher. What? For fifty two bucks what, what? you might get something uh you might get you might get lucky. Right. The Beatles yesterday and today, Beatles rare butcher mint. Well eBay, you know. Oh eBay wait a minute. What? Look at this. What? It's you gotta read the fine print and it's film and of course it's Capitol Records, my family label here. So we got like here it says Beatles Rare Mint Replica cover artwork. Oh replica. So that means it's there we go. not real. And then it's got the back, Mm -hmm. and it says, almost gone. It says, here's your chance to own a mint replica Beatles butcher cover. So this one isn't real, and and it's coming from the United Kingdom. Right, of course. Um, Right, okay. But the other one. We're doing the same thing, saying rare butcher cover artwork, you know. uh Okay, yeah. So it's not the actual record. So. Wait a minute. Here's, then, here's a trivia question. Who did the photograph? Yeah. Who did the photograph? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I could look that. it up, I but I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just curious. I never I'm looking at the real one yeah, from the, 1966 that says it's still it's still sealed, five viewed per hour. Oh, my God. The 1966 mono, ori- mono original first wow. date butcher cover. Yeah. LP. This <laughs> this one never had the second trunk, so that's what you were talking about. Slick, pasted over. This is right. an unopened. Right. Um. Yeah. So that's what you were talking about. That's yeah, the Holly, one that, um, is thirty thousand. I think was it. You see oh, it wow. there? Mm-hmm. It says yeah. this is an unopened factory number six on the back cover. There are three butch three mm-hmm. holes. In the shrink hole, in the mm-hmm. shrink wrap. Okay. Are you reading that? No. Yeah. Do you see that, Rob? Right, but, no, no, I'm not looking at it. But, st- but still, yeah, there are seals. Interesting. Out there. Oh, and it says it includes Rockaway Rockaway Records letter of authenticity. 
So it does yeah. have an authenticity. Um, I, yeah, I'm Rock sure if you're going to spend $30,000. No, no, they're a little, little Yeah. Fun, so that's good. So that's. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's very that's interesting. Cool. I didn't know they did that. Um, so who is it that recall that makes the decision to recall? Let's talk about how the, you know. <laughs> Um, well, you could, have a, you could have a whole whole record industry and things like that of it, but just sometimes things go out and what uh-huh. seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, and you got to remember that yesterday today was not a record that the Beatles themselves made. It was a compilation right. album. Mm-hmm. So they were probably just unaware of it and that somebody said, okay, yeah, let's do this that's fine. It'll be fun. And then when it hit the stores, there were people at retail just going, what? <laughs> you know, uh, way, you know, guns and roses, appetite for destruction. Mm-hmm. That first yeah. Cover, <laughs> yeah. You know, they just, they just did that massive reissue box. Did they use that front cover on that? Nope. 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 Mm-mm. Nope. You know, you know, hedonistic band, but, uh, a little hard when you want to sell 8 million copies to have that, and, you know, Johnny bringing it home and mom say, oh, let me see what you bought. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, bad artwork for the band, but that is what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just, it's, it goes through with some people and some people are all very like-minded and say, this will be great. And then when it actually hits mainstream retail, they go, uh-oh, we, we have made a mistake here. You know what? You want? To, I have a great story that Judith and I designed the cover for uh, Sony, and the album cover was really cool. But they never—they sent us the cover printed, but they never released the album. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a rarity. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are jackets that are printed. Uh, Springsteen's "Born to Run" mm-hmm. uh, jackets were printed with a different cover. Oh, really? You know? huh? Yeah. Yeah, there's that's a different right. typography on that's it. That's right. Different typography on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a hard one to find. I held one in my hand, and uh, wow. a uh, this person, uh, I, I know who left with it. <laughs> so, <after all> these <laughs> <years>. <laughs> he, he, he was, I'm going to borrow this. I'll bring it back in a few days. So let me ask so, you a question. I'm sure Holly sure. and I want to know this one. Where do you think Brian I found out who the photographer was. I found who out who it? the photographer was. Robert Whitaker. Okay, good question. That's a good one. I like that. Thanks, Hal. I, I, but I want to ask you also, that's a good one, because I, I never knew who It was a statement against the Vietnam War. That was his whole reason wow. he did it that way. Ah, yep. that's right. Oh, wow, that's a goodie, Holly. Real it says goodie. that the Beatles were protesting the fact that their North American elms had been butchered and switched around and not as originally intended. So that's mm-hmm. why they did that mm-hmm. um, cover. Okay. That's cool. There yeah. you go. A little trivia on that. Oh, that's great. Are you kidding? I love Rob. that. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Rob, where do you think my... vinyl is going now? Where do you think vinyl is going now? Um, that, that's, that's a really very broad question. Right now, like I say, it's different things for it. There are more pressing plants opening up. We have one in Chicago that, that just right. opened up called Smash right. Plastics. Um, with a brand Yay. new press, yeah. uh, doing mm-hmm. great work for Chicago bands. 
So that's, you know, that's a fair, pretty exciting thing. Uh, it is. We're looking to make even higher, better quality records as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and as long as they're doing great packaging and all that, it's going to be around for a while. Uh, turntable sales are still great. So it's going to be around for a while. My thing I'm just, you know, streaming is getting improved. There are people who, you know, uh, sound quality on it, uh, Cubas, Tidal, and such like that. So the people who are into Sonics, right. they can do it. That's a great, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, you, you can hear great stuff on there. SACDs still exist. So we'll have multiple formats for a while on mm-hmm. there as long as we can still make great vinyl, which, you know, right. as long as there's the... Uh, you know, we'll have be able to do it for a while. I'm just, like I say, concerned a little bit about, you know, the saturation level and just in music in general, you can only reissue so much. And the people, new bands coming up who are putting out records, they, um, you know, can they afford to make records uh, enough to justify it? Because if their yeah. outlay has to be you know going to the recording studio um i'm i'm on the board of the engineering society in chicago mm-hmm. so we you know almost not everybody but almost everybody who has recording studios for music they're making less money than they were 15 years ago wow yeah so this bands can't aren't making as much money on the live performances so the whole economics thing of can i make a record well, that's a pretty big outlay. How many of your fans will pay $20, you know, for your record? Mm. And CDs cost a half or a third as much to make. Uh, and some people are actually putting out, you know, cassettes. Because right. They say, I'm playing some shows. I can sell 100 cassettes at, you know, $10 each. That cost me $1.15 to make, and I make it at home. So the vinyl is a big investment to it. The other part of it economically is that uh, I have lots of friends who are blues musicians, uh, and they are not that enamored of vinyl because most of the sales are on the road, right? and they sell them mm-hmm. at shows, and it's harder right. to sell right. vinyl at shows. Uh, the older audience, while well, you think people in their 50s and 60s and 70s, who the blues audience is generally older, a lot of them have already given up on vinyl. So mm-hmm. they're not, they may not have the turntable at home. So for them, CD right. sales are still very, very important. But so, the, the, isn't there big sales on turntables now? Or aren't there good sales yeah. on turntables? Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, not that I'd recommend anybody getting a Crosley uh, turntable, oh. those turntables for 50 to 100 bucks. But you know what? Sometimes it's like when we had our little closing plays as kids, you know, that's a friend of mine just bought uh, an 11-year-old one of those, and she loves it. But, mm-hmm. but you know, you, know. Uh, you can get like, a, you know, the, the company called Project. Uh, Project. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, there's some good turntables you can get in the area, I would say, even 250 to 500. You can get a good, right. okay turntable. Right. Uh, uh, good quality. More than okay. More than okay. Yeah, more than okay, right. And well-designed yeah. and really well-made. Yep. Yeah, right. That's what's amazing. That's what I think. I mean, the old days, I remember when I was younger, you had to get the whole thing. You know, you had to get the 
top speakers, you get the Phillips turntable, you get or whatever, and you get you know everything you spent a lot of money. Today, believe it or not, if you know how to, and you know this, if you know you can get both speakers that are really cool, and you hook it up to a good turntable, you have a good system, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a good yeah, I have to for, tell I mean, you guys it's, it's, something funny. What? This is funny. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, okay. No, Go ahead. Years ago, years ago, I was gifted for my birthday a um, jukebox. Um, mm. But one, the old, a real one that had been reconditioned, but it had um, all kinds of like. Um, they had put 45s in there that were originals that all just, you know, were different types of music that they knew I liked. I loved Elvis and I loved Patsy Cline and all that. It was the one that had the, you know, the bubble oil or the water going around the outside and everything. Yeah. I, I think my daughter might have that right now in her house. I'll have to go get it from her. But um, it was, it was amazing, and I mean, there were some, I mean, those were 45s that went on. Now, what I never, you know, really was into knowing what it was all about at that point, but what what do they what do they normally put in a jukebox like that to play the 45s when you go into, like, a place and you see a jukebox there? I know some of them are digital now, but what, are the one, what about the ones that have the 45s in there loaded still? Well, you can put in whatever you want, and mm-hmm. for decades, um, there was a giant industry of basically rack jobbers who would go to bars with the jukebox and sell yeah. the bars, do that, or they'd do a split where they ran the jukebox, and the bar just you know got a cut of it, and so mm. they generally put in mm-hmm. the big hits, but they tailor it for right. like right now, right now. There are so many jazz 45s, and you don't think of, like, who bought jazz 45s? Mm. Very few mm-hmm. people bought jazz 45s. Right. Right. But right. Gene Ammons had, like, 50, you know, 45s because they put them in the jukeboxes. Right. So you'd have a bar, mm-hmm. and then you'd, you'd be playing the jazz on the jukebox. So the, the danger as a collector goes is that a lot of the jukebox 45s, because they weren't handled by humans, uh, you know, beyond mm-hmm. putting it in and putting it out, they look great, mm-hmm. but yeah. they weren't they weren't changing that needle, you know, as often as they should on the jukebox. And it was a heavy, oh, okay. heavy That's stylus. What... Wow! So you can get things that are yeah. you know, kind of distorted, a little worn mm-hmm. out, and it doesn't look so obvious. And you can't always do that. Uh, you know, you can't always tell without playing it. And frankly, in the you know used record business. Um, there are those people who play test everything they sell. Um, but there are people mm-hmm. like me who generally, I look at it and say, this looks great. And then if somebody, I sell it to somebody and they go, no, sorry, that, that was that, that actually sounded pretty bad. Th- then I can give them a mm-hmm. refund. You know, I mean, I bought a single once that were again, rare. I do it mail order, but you know, I paid okay money for it. And then I got it, and it was definitely one of those jukebox type 45s. Just looked great, mm-hmm. but sounded distorted. Because oh. of the needle, just, right? So I was, but I was content with it because it's, it's a record I just wanted to hear. So, and mm-hmm. I heard it and went, I don't need to get another copy, and it's not worth 
returning it to the person and oh, all of that. Oh, how funny. So, well, you know, you know, you know but, what I like, so how- Rob? Uh, uh, Discogs. You know, when you're buying stuff, I bought mm-hmm. some stuff on Discogs. And you know about Discogs or Holly. They, like, sell so much great vinyl, 45, 12 inch. Uh-huh. But anyway, the, when you, what I like about Discogs is you'll get a good description of each piece uh, going mm-hmm. down with the pricing, the condition of it. So they'll tell you even if it's bad, you know what I mean? They'll say bad pressing, you know what I mean? But good cover. Cover's excellent, you know. Uh, that's why I like Rob buying on there, Discogs, of them buying, mm-hmm. because they really explain. eBay doesn't do that as much, you know what I mean? But Discogs- eBay has a lot of amateurs. Discogs, which is D-I-C-O-G-S dot com. It's yep. not a company, but it's a conduit for private dealers to sell through, and we sell – Mm-hmm. Uh, on there as well, oh, uh, right. and it yeah yeah music direct vintage is on there and oh, great. it works out uh, very well because it's experienced buyers experienced sellers and uh, we have a hundred percent satisfaction rate on it mm-hmm. and you know I have sold some things where I, you know the guy gets it and even it can be a sealed copy and he says this sounded terrible and mm-hmm. they send it back and. I put it on and go, you're right. sounded terrible. Here's your money back. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it's amazing. Hmm. Uh, Holly, Holly, when you read the write-ups, it's really amazing. They're very, it's mm-hmm. almost like they're very honest. They're very honest. Right, Rob? And, and right. so, and you'll get what they tell you. They say, look at it. I told you that. Right. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? But I, I, I was in a different market. I was looking for covers. So I wasn't concerned mm-hmm. about quality, but I did look at quality too. I didn't get a bad record, but, but uh, the way they describe it, like Rob's saying, they're very quali- – uh, I like working on that level. You feel comfortable to buy. Yeah, no. The comfort zone, comfort zone. So that's yeah. my question then is, Rob, how often do you recommend people that do own turntables um, to change the needle on their turntable? Mm. Well, it's based on, you know, how much use. If you're getting a couple thousand hours, that's – probably enough and also also what you and also what you are playing is the other part because right. uh, like I'm I'm dealing with a very a collection of pretty rare uh, mainly soul R&B 45s a lot of what they call northern soul right now but blues stuff that's in terrible mm-hmm. shape all right uh, I can't justify playing it with a $500 cartridge, you know, let alone, and let alone a $5,000 cartridge. Is there a way to revive those? Is there a way to revive those? They clean them up as much as possible in different ways. I've I've been doing Uh the wood glue method and that's helping, which I don't want to get into that, but it's fine. There's also a product, which I will, uh, I will show for because it is great. Mm -hmm. There's a thing called the sugar cube. Mm-hmm. Uh, made by a company called okay. from called Sweet Vinyl, that mm-hmm. is a real time de-clicker, de-popper. Mm-hmm. What it does is upsamples the record as you're playing it, wow. and can figure out whether it is a pop or a clicker, whether it's music, mm-hmm. and it eliminates. Oh wow! Counts it back down. That is incredible. Uh, software based and. They keep Are improving it all the time. It's yeah, it's an expensive little product, okay? But right. it can take a record that I had thrown in the garbage, literally, and um, 
then make it as sound like a pretty good record. Wow. And then I've had other oh, records, wow. uh, like their demo, which is was they took a copy of Steely Dan's Gaucho. We played it on mm-hmm. top of the line system. Then they took a ra- and uh, then they took a razor blade to it. Wow. Oh it no. And then oh no. And you couldn't tell the difference. Really? Wow. Really? And that's how good it was. That's heavy. And there's a little <laughs> bit of the trick in that is that one Steely Dan's uh, record has no air in it, so to speak. There's no sense of room in it. Mm-hmm. So you, it's it's a little more forgiving there. And razor blade cuts are better than standard scratches. You now, know, aren't cleaner. there different but, kinds of needles too, right? Huh. Different oh, yeah. Needles. Yeah. You get different kinds of needles, Holly. You know, that's another thing. Yes, yes. Well, there's different sort of shapes to the stylus and such mm-hmm. like there, and obviously various quality levels up and down. Yeah, and right. Exactly. And once you when you once you're into it, you can kind of say this is the type of thing I listen to, and this is what I want to do, and that's why some people like I still have a Technics 1200 mm-hmm. at home, which is not oh. audiophile, but it's you know it's the great indestructible you know, DJ hip hop turntable. Yeah. And yeah. you can, I can pop out the cartridge. So, so I've got my, my huh. cartridge to play my beat up 45s. Oh, right. <laughs> and then I've got my, when I want to listen to my classical records, I that can pull great. out my better cartridge. Wow. Cool. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they weigh the same. So what about so, the guys that are out there spinning records? Like they're doing uh, the mixing of records in clubs. What's that mm-hmm. called again? They scru- They call them scrubbing. You mean like scru- hip hop DJs? Yeah. The, the old scratching stuff. Yeah, people are still doing that. And they, I mean, some people oh, wow. made the transfer to do it with the technology and the right things of doing it on CDs. So, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, no, that still goes on. You use a different sort of cartridge in there because uh, you can't go your standard uh, stylus. You can't go backwards on. So. Now, mm-hmm. now, Rob, you're, connect, you're connected with Music Direct, right? Uh, am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you tell the people out there how to get Music Direct? In touch uh, with you, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's just musicdirect.com. Yeah. Okay. Musicdirect.com. Okay. That's it. Cause and I, that will give you, mobile fidelity. You, and... you gave me a catalog, and i, I got to tell you, Holly, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful, glossy catalog. It's got so much stuff. It's got turntables. It's got records. It's got Oh, really? Everything. Yeah, with recording, uh, the recording area. I have to um, go look. Yeah. That's a beautiful yeah, I'll, catalog. I'll, I'll, it's very I'll, thick. I'll, 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 I'll send one to you. So. Oh, great. Oh, thank yeah. you, Rob. That's yeah, really nice. Rob. Very nice. Yeah, I'd, yeah and, I'd and, go, and you can I'd request like... it online at musicdirect.com, too, but I can take care of it. So oh, you might get out no, that no, way. no. That's really cool. Um, now, were you involved in the? Um, I think you were on the show where we had the gentleman on that was talking that, that the packaging awards and the um, recording of the um, what was it? Well, the I, I wasn't. But tell, from, me, tell me what the question is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were on the show. Okay. Um, it but, was. It was on the CDs of the. Um, sounds that they sent the music that they sent to space that they were playing right, continually. Right, the Voyager. Right, right. Oh, uh-huh. Lawrence Azerod. That, uh, Lawrence Azerod, that was so right? cool. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence Azerod mm-hmm. designed Voyager, which won a Grammy for packaging and vinyl, right. and also another version. And uh, yeah, it was a whole trip on that. Holly, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, to finish what you were saying. No, no. I just thought that was so, so interesting. 
yeah. that we were able to do that, you know, and also the fact that it won an award and also the music that was on there that they uh, I'll tell were you how, you know, Rob, there. I'll tell you what was great about the show. I brought Lawrence on, which which Holly, of course, both of us brought him on. But the thing that's really amazing is we had him on the show talking about the design of this package. We didn't see it, you know. And what happens later, Holly? He wins the Grammy for it. We, we didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I remember that. Then he wins the Grammy for that, Rob, for packaging. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great package. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is the vinyl. Now that that brings up, Rob, I wanted to have you explain to our listeners how what your involvement is with the Grammy Awards and how what you're doing. Well, with actually, that. actually, uh, Spencer, that's something we're not going to we're really not supposed to talk about that all that openly. But I can tell you that there's a uh, the Grammys, besides having the general voting thing, have certain craft committees. All right. Mm-hmm. So the end vote is by, you know, people who are members of, of the, uh, of, the industry. of the industry. Right. They, they pay their dues. They have to have a certain amount of credits. So right. you mm-hmm. cannot, um, you can, at the end, you can vote for almost anything, but in basically you have to have at this point, I think it's 10 or 12 credits in a certain field right, in order right. to be a qualified voter. Right. And then you're selected but, on top oh, of neat. Then you get selected. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're going to get in, and then you get selected, which is a big honor. But I, I just want to tell you that, um, uh, that Judas and I are involved with the Making Vinyl event, which is structured a similar way with vinyl packaging for voting, you know. But uh, I want to add something to this so we get into a better area with this, Rob. You'll like this. Uh, I'm going to bring the people out there that are involved with music who don't know about it is NARIS, which is the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences. Now, this is the thing. Mm -hmm. If you join NARIS, you become, as Rob knows, a voting member. But besides that, this is a really important thing that a lot of music designers don't know. They can enter their own piece by being a member. I talk to so many designers and art directors, Rob, that don't even know that. In other words, they, right. they think you got to be a – you don't have to be in a company. In other words, if you join NARIS yourself independently, you can enter your own piece. I'm trying to expand that market because I got an email. Only 1% of art director designers belong to NARIS, only 1% of well, the Well, and I say you, you can do it yourself or, yep. of course, any any member – can nominate anything. That's right. Um, that's right. so. That's right. If I thought I've heard, you know, the uh, best uh, Cajun record I've ever heard, don't know who this guy is or anything. As long as I can provide a copy of it, right. um, you know, I can send it in as a voting member. That's but, right. You know, I, I'm I'm a strong supporter of Naris because besides, it, it's not good old music. Yeah, it's, but they, they do they do so much in terms of education, uh, networking, uh-huh. political work. They're the only lobbying oh, yeah, they organization have, that does that. And, and Rob, they so, have Grammys in the schools, which I was part of yeah. years ago, which I did a panel on actually packaging with Grammys in the schools myself. I put some big uh, C, uh, at that time CD packagers in a panel. But yeah, they they were very diversified. But I re- really encourage people out there listening. If you're involved with music and you and also you vote, right? You vote each mm-hmm. year for uh, whatever for the Grammy. So I, I would encourage people listening. If you're in the music area, you don't know about it, you should join NARIS. 
It's only like I think a hundred dollars a year, which is very reasonable. I mm-hmm. I, and also they have events like they're having a big sixtieth sixtieth anniversary members meeting. I'm going to in a week, uh, 60th anniversary in Arizona, New York. So, I mean, they got networking, they got different areas, like Rob's saying. So I just encourage people listening to the program that are in the music area, join, join Arizona. It's very beneficial. Yeah, and, and the one thing That's I'll awesome. also add, for those of us who have enough money to spare to give a little bit to charity every mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. Naris has a thing called Music Cares. That's right. Yep. So... And That's what music great. cares, it, it, not, it will help people anonymously who are in need. Mm-hmm. So oh, they, wow. um, so they don't even necessarily have to know they're getting benefits. If they have a drug problem and they're being evicted from their place, NARIS can sometimes get them medical help or pay their rent for three months. Wow. You know, it has to be two oh, real awesome. musicians. Yeah. But they do yeah. that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, we had a street musician in Chicago who was a tuba player, and he'd sit outside and play it, and somebody stole his tuba. Mm-hmm. No. And oh, so no. they got him, they got oh, him a new tuba. Oh, right. Oh, that's great. That's, that's, gotta right. be, that's beautiful. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, back, going like back to Katrina days, um, when Arlo got oh, me, that was awful. He, he took that whole city of New Orleans and filled it full of instruments, and uh, Naris, in the Chicago chapter at least, we pitched in, helped build a website for him, wow. got word out that's great. for him, and all sorts of things. So there's there's this humanitarian thing that they do, and a lot of people say, oh, Naris, yeah, they do the Grammys. Well, the Grammys it, are important, but and the TV show is what pays for all this other stuff. That's right. So, and, and you know what? Mm-hmm. The Grammys in the school area, I love that area because that's for kids and learning about music in schools and that area. And, and just gets more and more, right? There's so many different mm-hmm. things that are connected with ours. And you're right. A lot of people don't know that. They think it's just the Grammy Awards and that's it. I, but think, that, I think that that's a beautiful thing that you brought up, Rob. Now, if somebody wants to participate in that mm-hmm. and um, be able to give back, um, how would they go about doing that, Rob? Well, just Grammy.com. There should be a place on there to, to, to sign up, yeah. Yeah, that's the portal is okay. Grammy.com, right. and you'll you'll be able to find it from there. And there are local offices. I forget whether they're eight or eleven regional offices. Right. So there's I one in there's Nashville. One in there's Francisco. one in Atlanta. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, so New York, and uh, obviously uh, L.A. LA. Has one. L.A. Yeah. New York. Yeah. So there were you know there are real people you can talk to, and they have events, and you can show up and. People are generally very generous with their time and such, and we share information and learn from each other. That's right. That's right. I think so we've, giving we've kind back. Of veer off the vinyl here, but it's. That's it's, why it's, Rob it's and I are here. Oh with no, Holly. no, no, no! <laughs> I yeah. think giving back. Right, no, I think. I think giving back is so important, Rob. And I think how much more of a beautiful way to give back than through the recording and music industry, because music is really what drives us. And um, music creates memories, and it's things that when we hear a song, it can take us back to our childhood and or a memory, you know, that's always going to be there. And so it's the soundtrack, I believe, of our lives, you know. So with that being said, I want to ask you, Rob, real quick before we end the show, 
I know that you were expo- you know you you were exposed to music through your brother bringing music home and this and that. How did you get involved in what you're doing now? How did how did that lead you into this as a child into the vinyl and and you're so passionate about it? It's it was um it seemed like a very natural journey because I I mean I've had jobs okay like every other kid where you know mm-hmm. you know washing buses or swinging a sledgehammer or the, that sort of thing uh, my parents were in a um, it, it sounds more interesting than it is because they had a silk screen screening business down in Greenwich Village oh wow so, but really? but it wow. was but it was basically industrial. You know, mm-hmm. it was doing mm-hmm. massive amounts of uh, draperies and things like that. Fashion designers would come in and say, print me this. So he's a printer, not a, not a designer. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I basically love music. We, my parents bought us all those Reader's Digest collections. So I said, oh, operetta, that's wonderful. Oh, country music, <laughs> you know, just everything. And radio mm-hmm. back then, Top 40 Radio, WABC, MCA, uh, you know, they played everything. So I, you know, and if it came out on a record, I liked it. And um, basically I went up, uh, I got my first jobs, summer jobs, working in musical theater, the typical playing in bands, that sort of thing. Uh, I got into, went to school, uh, became music director at a radio station uh, in Chicago. And I was. Uh, became general manager of a station and a music magazine here called Triad. And it was, uh, you know, it was was just, you know, it was a great time. And uh, I got into always buying records collecting because I used to shop at House of Oldies and everything, you know, uh, Bleaker Bobs and all that sort of stuff growing up. And when I moved to Chicago and found out records weren't always at minimum $20, I thought I'd stumbled into heaven somehow. Uh, because here you could buy records that were, you know, long out of print for two dollars. Mm-hmm. This, this mm-hmm. is a good town. I like this, as opposed to working, you know, half my wages to buy uh, some some record. Uh, exactly. Down there. And, uh, down hey, there. By, so, by the way, Rob, mm-hmm. did you collect '78 records? I I I have a few hundred of them. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. A few hundred. Oh my God! I don't consider that a lot. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. I but know these days, these Both days, when I buy them, I usually buy them for the art. Um, right. Just some some really? designs are so gorgeous. Uh, uh, you know, you 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 know, a Duke Ellington on British Parlophone. Uh, the labels, gorgeous. The label. Yeah, the label, the, label, the, the, the label. yeah, the printing on it is so wonderful. Right, it's, it's true. It just shines, and un- unusual designs. Uh, but, so but that's you know, Rob, what it, listening. Rob, you know it's really interesting to me, and you know this. Seventy-eight records broke like all over the place. I mean, they could oh, get, yeah. and and why did they approach it like that? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Why did they approach making the record so brittle? Well, it was. The formulas that they came up with at the time. Uh, there's um, there's a good book I read a few years ago about how the the transition from cylinders to uh, oh, to wow. the flat record on wow. there on there, and it was you know it was a cheap enough shellac was cheap enough and was able to cut it well because you know when they 
that was the main thing. And at a certain point, it was like, okay, what can we do to make something that can play basically a whole symphony on one side or on two sides of a record? It wasn't that they wanted them to do that, but you know, they just found eventually is that yes, vinyl uh, is a little bit different. Remember, it was an acoustic playback to begin with for 78s. There was no, there was no amplification coming out of it. Right. So, in order for vinyl to work, you were no longer having acoustic things. Everybody had to have something that had an electrical boost to it. So, so once so that happened, jump, you could do it. The big jump is from 78 to 33 and a third, right? That's with it. Right. The 45s of the came out almost exactly at the same time. But mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was two competitors um, up against each other. But right. the 78, yeah, these days you can have a 78 that's worth two or $300. Most of them are worthless, but, and you mm. just kind of like, you look at it wrong and it'll break. <laughs> right. So. Really? So, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we, Holly, we, so, I had like, I had like Andy, get your gun with Ethel Merman. You know, you know, I'm talking about show, the show, uh, oh, wow. in a big book. They all broke. I mean, moving was really delicate. Um, you really had to pack them well, right, Rob? And uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 they would they would Holly, it's a tragedy. They would break, right? They would break, you know. Yeah, yeah. My, my Elvis Heartbreak wow. Hotel. Just Elvis just Heartbreak went. Hotel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that so that's uh, it's, that's not a super rare one, but it was still was nice to have. But yeah, it is. It, it was. Uh, it and I uh, and. I wound up using it for an art for an album cover. Really, I love it. Yes. You did. Yeah, yeah, I did it. Uh, a band uh, called the Bad Examples had a record, and the leader of the band decided to call the album Smash Record. Oh right. So oh I wow. Took, so I so I took my Smash Elvis record, right, and uh, basically had a friend who's a good photographer. We took. We took all the shards and put them out in different formats in it, all that. Oh, how and then cool. I, and then right. I redrew the label in basically mimicking the RCA sign, but the album went, was on Water Dog Records. So instead of putting Nipper on there, hmm. um, the RCA dog, we had our dog. <laughs> that's so, cool. so, so I found that that's a good funny. use out of the Elvis record. That's yeah, funny. So that's, that's a good story. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. It it yeah. If he hadn't once he came up with the name of saying I, uh, uh, originally was going to be called something else, and when he came up with the name of Smash Record, I went, I've got the idea. Yeah, I know oh, what wow. to do. Mm-hmm. So you knew right away. Nice if, that, that was on CD. Would be nice. That would be a nice one to do on vinyl, but I I don't think that will ever happen. So right, right. Oh, that's so funny. Great story. Great you know, story. you know what I have noticed a lot lately is, um, you know, in the last five years, um, there's this one place that has been there for a while, and it's a jazz club, and it's down in, it's in Napa, Old Town Napa, and I mean, you go in there, and I think that they have very well-known jazz musicians go in there, but I think that a lot of it is open mic stuff, and Mm -hmm. the entry to it, and I think I sent you pictures, Spencer, the walls and the ceiling and everything are covered with albums, um, you oh know, vinyl God. records yeah. everywhere. Wow. The walls, the ceiling, everything. And then there are even tables that are made out of vinyl records. And um, mm-hmm. I've gotten uh, 
drink coasters that are records inside of, uh, you know, right. um, protective yeah, cover. Of, uh, the, the, the only things I always worry about is that I, I uh-huh. see this that sometimes it would uh, some, you know, art fairs and every once in a while I yeah. cringe and something like that's an incredibly rare record and you just made a I coaster know. out of it. You know, like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just can't you just use, but it's can't probably you just use Jim, Jim Neighbors records, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or it's a piece of or it's a piece of fake vinyl with a label on it that you think is yeah, real. Well they, Maybe that's they, what they yeah, did. They they do that, yeah, and sometimes I yeah, there's a there's even a sometimes, you know, being historically oriented, it's kinda like uh there's a place down in uh, Tennessee, a, uh, uh-huh. a a legal moonshine distillery that calls itself Thunder Road. So, oh wow! You oh, know, nice. and it's sort of like so they have Robert Mitchum's single there, but it's kind of like, why do you have the 1970s reissue? Just, <laughs> you, know, just, uh-huh. you know, it's not that rare a record. It was a hit. Right. So put that put that up on. The oh line, wow! Okay? Hey, listen. Before I leave, yes. I want to mention that I have a site on Facebook called Vinyl Talk which I don't know, Rob, if you join, you should join, and it has all the vinyl news and people talking about vinyl. Of course, there's several sites on Facebook about vinyl, which is very good, but my site is called Vinyl Talk. If anybody wants to join, just get on Facebook and join. It's easy. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. I'm on Instagram, and uh, I've kind of – I have my company pages still on Facebook, but I have segued a little bit out of – Facebook only due to security issues. Um, as we all know, there's so much security in everything anymore. But um, And I know Instagram's owned by the same people that own Facebook, but it's a little bit, you can control your content a little bit more, I think, um, on Instagram. Unless I hear otherwise. And then, you know, there are all the other really fantastic social network media that is coming out. Um, and then there's places like us, Red Velvet Media, and then the Indie Cafe, and then Rob, you, your, with your company, Rob, the record guy. We all <laughs> try to get the pop culture music and pop culture news out there. And uh, so before we end our show today, we're going to be ending with a song which um, is called Red-Headed Girls. And I know, Rob, you had a little story about that. Let's hear about that. Well, um, the, the, the basic thing on this is that, like I mentioned, I've been in bands, I've been on radio and all these things. And I, mm-hmm. you know, the, oh, and mentioned the Rob, the record guy came from when I ran the second Antunes chain in Chicago and people didn't know my last name and they'd see me on the street and they'd go, Oh, yeah, they go, Rob, the guy. Oh, you're yeah, the, record the record guy. guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, and that, that's, okay. and, 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 and in various positions I've had, um, even when I worked for a small label before that, you know, they said, what's your position? Well, a lot of times you do everything at a small label. So what's your position? Record guy. That's what I am. Record guy. You know, I'm not the director of sales radio promotion. I'm, I'm just the record guy. So I kept it. So, but in this particular case for this song, um, it's at one point, uh, almost 15 years ago, I'm, I married a wonderful woman who was, um, she was she had been in various bands, but done more acting than being in bands and stuff like that. And I said, well, 
you know, it's about time you form your own band finally, instead of singing for other people. And she did. And it was a band that we played, uh, Lollapalooza. We went to England. Oh, nice. Sort of stuff. So, you know, moderately. What's the name of the band? Susie Brack and the the New Jack Lords. So Susie Brack and the New Jack Lords. Uh, And then at one point they said, you know, we'd uh, done some recording and uh, there was a movie that she was in where they said, well, we need kind of a rockabilly type song, you know, for the movie. And I was like, okay. Uh, what what are we gonna do? And we you know thought about well, there's some great uh, songs that they were already in their repertoire they're known. But I said, hey, you know, let's write a new one. So mm. I the singer the singer on this one is my wife. It's from a movie called Fall Away, which was wow. won quite a few awards uh, in it, but you know did not hit the mainstream. But in its uh, in its niche, it did very very well. And uh, she's in the movie, but uh, doesn't sing this in the movie, but it's in the background when, uh, she, while she's in it. And uh, it's a little oh, fun. Nice. And, the, and, the, uh, and you'll hear a, uh, a couple of male voices. And the one that just does the talking, that's me because I'm not a singer. Uh-huh. <laughs> is, she, is she still acting? She's, she's doing acting. On that, she, okay. the band is the, the the band is not together. So, um, yeah. So she's she's made a bunch of uh, very independent films. She is a member of the SAG After Singers Union. So oh, nice. she does get to do it prof- professionally there, and uh, but mostly she does stage and indie films. Okay. Oh, cool. Well, Spencer, did you have any more questions for Rob before we end no, our show just, today? No, Rob, if you're in New York, come and visit me. I'll email you my info, and uh, I want you to see my collection if you're in yeah. in, in New York City. If you're in, and it's a pleasure. Thank you for being on. Holly and I really like you came on and, uh, and doing your beautiful mindset on vinyl and records, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Well, I appreciate it. So so let's rock. Yeah. Yeah, let's rock. Yeah, no. Before before we rock, Rob. Before uh-huh. we rock, Rob. I want to ask you a question I've been dying to ask you. All of your vinyls that you have, how about how many do you have? I I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I knew lot. you were going to say I, that. I, yeah, no, no, because I have I have a room. I live in a loft building. And I have a whole room that's floor to ceiling of LPs. I have oh another my God. room, uh, another giant walk-in closet that is all 45s. Wow. And then I have a few, a few file cabinets full of 45s. And oh then I have God. another wall of my place that is CDs uh, floor to ceiling. So, so I have a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I, well, I, I know we're not going to give your address I'm, out, okay? <laughs> you got some rare ones in there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it puts way. I knew I knew when I moved, not only did I need at least 196 cubic feet for records, I knew that the floor oh had God. to support 500 pounds per square foot. So that's wow. a lot of time. So. Well, we want to thank you so much for being here and we want to um, thank your company and everything for you know supporting the music industry and yourself supporting the music industry because we are huge fans and uh, we are always looking to further you know more creative talent out there 
So with that, let's definitely rock. And remember, guys, it's Friday. Please don't drink and drive. And again, um, remember the releases that I told you about that came out today. Um, and a big shout out to uh, all the people out there. Just be careful on the weekend. And uh, we'll be, I'll be back on the air Wednesday with Bob Gruen. And, and then we'll be back next Friday. Yeah, and, and you'll be on Wednesday. too as well. And listen, I, I just want to bring up one thing. Uh, it's a flash. Netflix just has on now the Bob Dylan Rolling Thunder Review, Holly. Mm-hmm. So you nice. can check that out on Netflix. Just just went on. Very cool. Well, that's something you guys can watch on Netflix this weekend. And um, for all the fathers out there, happy Father's Day. Um, And for all those that have to take on the role of a father, because, you know, father may be away doing things. We want to, all the caretakers, we want to wish you and acknowledge you as well, because I think it's really important. Because even if you don't have, you know, your own child that you're really taking care of and you're acting as a father or a mentor to someone, you're still, you know, acting in that role. So happy Father's Day, guys, and here you guys go. Redheaded hey. girl. Oh, and Alejandro Escovedo is playing this weekend, guys. You're going to see Nevada, him. So go You're see him. See yeah. Him. Here you guys Good. Yeah. Say hello. Here you Say guys hello. go. Okay. Here you go. Bye. Yo. Bye, Rob. Thank you. Scratch knew that that wouldn't do. Red headed.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.